Go ahead and, and turn to Daniel chapter 1 here in just a few. Uh, uh, we're going to read through that. If you don't have a Bible, grab your, the Pew Bible, look on it on your phone. I want you to look along as this is going to be read in just a little bit. In 2012, Doug Ferris, uh, his daughter Audrey, uh, myself, and Andy Garner went down to Austin uh, for this conference. And at this conference, it was, it was titled, You Lost Me. Uh, and what they were focusing on was how there was a generation that was walking away from the faith, walking away from, from church and gathering together, that they were, they were being lost in a sense. And there was all these different things that were creating that kind of atmosphere where that generation just felt like they could turn and walk away. Uh, part of... Part of the, the struggle then was the lack of relationships between that generation and the older adults. Some of it was how we dealt with science. Some of it was they felt like we were highly exclusive instead of inclusive, uh, that we were maybe too political and not focusing in on the gospel enough. And so there was all these different things, but as we went down there, uh, they gave a lot of statistics but this guy, David Kinneman, who was the CEO of the George Barna Research Group at that time, and this is what it was through, it was through the George Barna Research Group, uh, he brought out Daniel chapter 1. And it was very interesting to us. And, and as, I, as I started thinking about kids going back to school this week, uh, and I thought about teachers and faculty joining them, hopefully, right? Um, I, I pulled up these notes, and, and I remember Andy and I did a quick co-sermon based on what David Kinneman talked about in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And as I thought about that, I thought about those kids uh, in 2012, and that now they're in their mid-20s, the late 20s, early 30s, and, and now the, the kids that are in the youth group and, and coming up and graduating out of the youth group, I mean, Gavin was five years old when I went and did this, and now he's 15. Uh, some of the youth group kids were three years old. And, and I thought, does this still apply? Does this still really work? Uh, is this still what's going on in our culture, or has it changed? And the reality is, is what happens in Daniel chapter 1 for Daniel all the way then was going on still in 2012, and it's still something our kids and we as adults wrestle with. And so I've asked Glenn Lee to read Daniel chapter 1, and I would like you to just follow along and look and pay attention and allow things to jump out at you as he reads. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his own court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. 
He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Partially through that, you probably figured out why I had Glenn read and not me. Right. There's a lot of different words in there that would get this mouth all tied up. But here, David Kinneman at the George Barner Research Group, this is this is three things he brought out of that scripture right there. And as I looked at it, I thought, yes, it does apply today. It does apply for our teens and it applies for us. The first thing that he brings out is that there's this sense and wrestle of alienation that Daniel goes through. That when Daniel is brought out of his hometown, his home place, his home people and stuck in a foreign world, he is alienated. And not only that, he is put under the service of the king in a whole different culture, a different lifestyle will surround him. And who will wrestle with that in the sense of alienation and that we, too, like Daniel, find ourselves alienated. That we live in a world and a culture that is not the one that God has for us and created for us and wants us to, to be about. It's a, it's a land and a, and a culture that has a whole lot of different thoughts and ideas and influences on us and that we're different. And even in that, Daniel is renamed. And the name was, was connected to their identity. He's almost as if he's given a new identity, a, a, a Babylon identity 
in the midst of all this. And we too wrestle with our identity, our teens, our kids, our children. When they go to school, they wrestle with identity. They're, they're given even new names at times. Uh, some of those names are names that are empowering and build them up. And then some of those names are names that you sit with your children in the evening and they're wrestling and they're, they're in tears because they've been called something different than who they are. And so there's this sense of alienation that takes place in Daniel. And he wrestles with that. Then there's this, this wrestle of access. Daniel and his friends have all this access to the Babylon knowledge and wisdom and literature and teachings. That they're going to grow in that too as well. Not only do they have the access, they excel in, in all of that. And so they're, they're, they have this ability to be around this culture and understand this culture and live in this culture in Babylon. And we too live in a culture and we have access to that culture and we wrestle with that culture and we, 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 we want our kids to excel in the literature and the understandings in that culture. Uh, we want good grades. We want them to be able to do good things, but they have access to that. For instance, they have more access at their fingertips, and you and I have more access at our fingertips than we did 20, 30 years ago by far. Uh, they said in 1945 that the, the knowledge here in America, like our knowledge, our understanding of things, uh, would double every 25 years. In the, in the mid the late 80s, our knowledge, our, our understanding, uh, science, all those kind of things, it would double not just every 25 years, but every 12 to 13 years. And in 2020, knowledge, understanding, all those things would double every 12 to 13 months or hours. I'm sorry, that was not near as dramatic, right? But every 12 hours, our knowledge, our understanding is doubling. And we have that access to that. We were upstairs just recently walking through Titus. We're, we're only asking questions out of the book of Titus right now for our Sunday morning teen class. Uh, and, and then at the end of it, we talked about how can you find some answers to these questions in the book of Titus. Instantly, we think like Google, right? And, and Google has been helpful. It gives us knowledge. But at the same time, I told him, like, I can search on Google and say, hey, my wrist is hurting. And then I find out I have six weeks to live. Right. Uh, and so that access, our kids, our teens, all of us have this access to this wisdom, this knowledge all around us. And we even want to thrive and do well in that. And so alienation, access, and the third one that Daniel finds himself wrestling with is authority. That he, he is under the authority of the king and the king's people. He's under that authority and, and he's got access to what they have, their food, their culture, right? And he's called to eat a certain diet. And Daniel says, hey, wait a minute. This isn't how we eat. We need something different. And he has to wrestle with this authority in his life. And it's really interesting to me how Daniel wrestles with it. You see this respect 
and this reverence in it. He pleads with the person in charge over him. He's found favor with that authority. And he's able to work through that. And so he has to wrestle with being under the authority of man, but still, overall, submitting to God's authority. And our kids, too, our teens, and we wrestle with, we live under this authority of, of man and this earth, right? We live under the authority that we give people from people that we submit to who can create laws and uh, kind of make those things. But we also give authority to people that we are friends with. We allow them to have a say in our life. And our teens, too, wrestle with authority. And so as, as I looked back on this, uh, seeing that Daniel and our teens and we struggle with this alienation, that we're in a place that is not our home, that, that we deal with access, being able to have all kinds of different knowledge and literature and understanding and, and culture stuff all around us and, and access to all that, but we still have to discern what is good, what is right, what is real, what is true. Uh, and as we wrestle with authority, uh, I, I thought of a few solutions that I see within this text. The first solution to alienation. Daniel had friends. He had three friends that walked along with him in this path and in this journey. That, that there's three people who connected with Daniel and Daniel, can, that you can see those amplified in Scripture, that Daniel, even though he was alienated, he did not allow himself to be alone. That he had people with him. And Daniel was often reminded through God of who he was and created to be. And so when there's alienation and our, our kids, our teens, or ourselves are dealing with feeling in a place that is not our own and we're hearing a, a, a different identity being thrown at us, we need to have our friends or our friends can help us be, remind ourselves of who we are. And with access, Daniel utilizes that knowledge. He utilizes the, the, the understanding of the Babylon culture. He utilizes the literature. He utilizes his language learning and picking up that language to further the kingdom of God. To remind the people around him that there is a kingdom that will not fall. That this kingdom here that Nebuchadnezzar has, this kingdom in, in Babylon, it will fall. All the other kingdoms that come after that will fall, but the kingdom of God will not be shaken. And so he uses that access to better himself, but to further the gospel. And then with the authority, he still remains in respect to those in authority, but he fully submits to God no matter what. Even later on, his friends will face a fiery furnace. When they're, when they're given that, chosen, that opportunity to choose to bow down to the earthly king or to bow down to God himself almighty. And so they submit to God no matter what. But they still, within the realms of the authority that they submit under in this world, they still allow themselves to be respectful, to work within those realms, 
one thing that comes to mind with this wrestle of authority. It's something that I've heard uh, ever since I was a teenager. And it's about getting prayer back into school, that we've got to get prayer back into school. And the reality is this, that th there are things that, that keep prayer out of school, but not in the way that we think. What has been done in our, in our, in our culture, in our society, is, is a level of somewhat of protection to keep any teacher, any principal, to be able to pray to whoever and, and, and even kind of force our children to pray to whomever they want to. So if your coach believes in praying to Muhammad or Buddha, that law protects our children from being forced to join in that prayer. And so, but what they do have, because prayer still is in school. Prayer still can happen. Prayer still can take place. All of our kids, when they're getting ready for a test, they can pray, and some of them really need to, right? They can pray before a game. They're allowed to, to take moments they can create even groups where they get together and pray. They can create groups where they get together and study the Bible. That's not taken out. The, their freedom is still there. They can still live within the authority that's been created and still thrive. But it's we who have to remind them that they have that ability. It's we that have to remind them that that's something that, that is in us. And we do that by not pushing them to pray at school, but by praying at home with them, right? And so there's this wrestle of authority that they have. And, and through Daniel, we see that we strive to submit to the ultimate authority. I know this is kind of like one of those mini lessons, those Reader Digest version lessons, because I wanted to share with you guys all the different things that are going on here because when we deal with alienation, when we want to deal with access, when we want to deal with, with the authority and how we wrestle with that, the way we really find answers is by being together. Uh, our Sunday morning classes allow us to have relationships that we can't really just form in here, right, sitting in the pew. In fact, by the way, this is a side note and a challenge for, for our Sunday morning classes. I, I want somebody or some bodies in each of those classes to think about being a class host. And this is what it means. That, that you are, since we have these rotative teachers, that you are in that class and you are thinking of who's there, who needs encouragement, who's not there, who's been missing, and that you create this environment of connection in our Sunday morning Bible classes. Because people, we, we feel alienated at times. We feel disconnected. And we're wrestling with all the access of information around us. And we're trying to discern what's right and what's wrong. And we need each other through that. And we wonder how to submit to God ultimately when we're having to, to deal and wrestle with the authorities of this world. And so this morning, you may be wrestling with a sense of alienation. You may be wrestling with, with all the access that you have and you've given into the culture around you. You may be struggling with submitting ultimately to God. And that is 
where we close every Sunday is that opportunity for you to be able to share that with somebody so you're not alienated. For you to be able to share with somebody so you can discern through all this, this stuff around you. For you to be able to share with somebody so you know how to walk with God and submit to him. And so if you have any needs, please come as we stand and we sing.